Good morning. Welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we examine a very important reference that Jesus gives from the Old Testament, specifically in his conversation with Nicodemus, as he references the serpent that Moses lifted up on a pole for the Israelites to look at for healing. In a world where many have taken Jesus for granted or have unfortunately distorted the priority of Christian living and the gospel, we will seek to uncover the truth behind Jesus' Old Testament reference such that we'd understand Jesus and the atonement and the reality of our nature as those separated from God without Jesus. Thanks for joining us today as we continue to examine these portraits of Jesus from the Old Testament. Well, it's about that time of year for weddings. Wedding season is right here around the corner. If you haven't got your invites in the mail, I'm certain you will. And uh, as a pastor, one of the things that I'm continually reminded of is that when Scripture speaks about the covenantal relationship that we have with God, it uses most often the picture of a wedding, the picture of a marriage. That the covenantal commitment from God to his people is one to be cherished. It's a promise. It's not something to be taken flippantly or lightly. It's a commitment that means those involved in that pledge are unashamed of it. I remember when uh, my wife and I uh, got married. Maybe you can remember all the way back to, uh, we, have, we, uh, we have an anniversary coming up next month. If you can remember what it was like when you were young and in love. Anybody with me? Remember what that was like? And uh, you, you didn't care if the whole world knew of your love, right? In fact, uh, after our wedding, we had our ceremony in the morning, and you know how they do, they kind of throw rice at you, and you walk out, and everybody's clapping, and you get in the car, and you drive away, but we had to come back and take pictures, so we just had to leave long enough for everybody uh, to kind of go on to the reception so that we could take some pictures, Um, but we didn't know where to go, so we went to McDonald's, and we went through the (laughs) drive-thru, and this is... This is how young we are. Yeah, check out my ears. Just awesome, right? Yeah. And uh, that, was the, that was the case. There in our little car in the drive-thru, we wanted the whole world to know. We're married. We love each other. And uh, there got this ice cream, came back to the church there. Uh, it reminds me of that type of unashamed, just uh, kind of passion that you even see at sporting events. You, you know those guys that hold up signs? And they, they don't care who, who sees them. Hey, put the sign down. Hey. Shut your trap. I don't care, right? Uh, Here's this one. uh, Melissa, I want to spend eternity with you. Will you marry me? Like there's something about that that's just beautiful. It it really shows that here at the beginning of this relationship, there is this love and this commitment that's there. I'm afraid, however, that it's easy in our world today that we fail to remember the picture that God chose to describe the relationship of our being reunited with him. The redemption that we have. The new birth that we have in Him. It usually is for Christians, especially later in life, something that we celebrate. But somehow, it seems that we all too quickly forget. Or, or, or we become oppressed by the world that doesn't want to love Jesus. And so rather than stand there with the banner and the sign that says, I follow Christ, we tuck it in our pocket a little bit. And I, I think really what happens in our country is that you have two extremes that we fall into. One being that we treat Jesus like a genie. And, and this is something that, unfortunately, I think follows in our culture. I think they're cool with that. People really don't have any problem. If you're just going to call on Jesus to meet your needs, when you have something that's wrong, when you have an area in your life where you need God to show up, yeah, you can call on him then when it's fashionable. But you know what? When, uh, when it's not, it's okay to tuck him away. 
Treat them just as the one in the lamp that does your bidding. Uh, this reminds me of kind of that, um, like, like a woman who marries a man just for his money. Right? That, I, I just, I'm just really committed to you for what I can receive from you. Or maybe the type of guy that would be attracted to a, um, a young gal, but then uh, in getting married, as soon as he's around his buddies again or somewhere where he can get more attention for himself, he distances himself from his bride. That's not what it should look like, but I fear that's what our culture and that's what Christianity looks like. That we love Jesus when we need Jesus, but after that, what do you do with him? How dusty is our Bibles in our homes? How often are we continually on our knees for the, the spread of God's glory? It's not until we have a need or something shows up that we would uh, rub the bottle. Or else the other side of the spectrum isn't that Jesus is a genie, but Jesus, Jesus is a joker. I'm talking about the kind in a, a deck of cards, right? The, the joker's in there. You don't really use it that much, though, right? I mean, it, in, in a deck of cards, it's not tends to be one that gets passed around. It sort of stays in the box, and it's in every box, such that if you go just about anywhere in America and ask them, hey, are you a Christian? People are more than likely to say what? Yeah, yeah I'm a Christian. Why are you a Christian? Uh, they tend not to have an answer for that. Uh, we treat Jesus as this thing that everybody, oh yeah, everybody's a Christian in America, right? Everybody's got one of these. But we don't use it. We don't know what it stands for. We really don't know who he is. My, my suspicion and the focus of my message this morning is that we would be able to maybe perhaps see our situation a little more clearly. I think what has happened, especially in a very rich culture like our own, in fact, Jesus says it's easier for a camel to get squeezed through the eye of a needle than for a rich man, you know this verse, right? To go to the kingdom of God. Do you know the disciples' response to that? This is a hard teaching. Who then can be saved? That's their answer. If that's true, then who can be saved? And Jesus' response is awesome. He says, what is impossible for man? It's possible for God. But that's America. If there's ever a place of a rich country that feels that we don't need God. So it's make-believe for us, church. It's make-believe because we have believed the lie in the garden. Do you remember what happened with the serpent? Deceived Eve. And there in the garden, bold-faced lie. You will not surely die. Do you remember this? Complete lie. You won't surely die. But watch this now. If we remove that from the minds of those who follow Jesus Christ or those who don't yet know him, if there's no fear of death, then yeah, I'm going to call on Jesus whenever I need him. Or I'm going to be totally fine recognizing that everybody's Christian. He's just like Joker in a deck of cards. He's there. Everybody's got him. Because I have no fear. I have no awareness. Death is something, ah, that's later in life. I'm going to live forever. Right, Matt? You're going to live forever? I'm only picking on him because he's a teenager. I used to think. I'm teenagers, right? Come on. No, it's not the case. And we need to be reminded of that. Because of that, I want to share with you this very quick video. See if it can help set the stage for us. Now the heart-stopping video, an American tourist hang gliding for the first time, forced to hang over dear life after the instructor forgot to attach this harness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably not going to go hang gliding anytime soon. <laughs> what did you think? What do you What do you think he thought his day was going to be like? He He thought it was going to be wow! Look, this is awesome. Have it be able to uh, come back and. Tell this great story. They had the GoPro on the back for this beautiful flight that he was going to enjoy overlooking the scenes. 
What did he discover, though? Man, you tell me we're going to go hang gliding. I'm going to say, I might die. You ain't going to die. Look at this picture again. How how interested do you think he was in the scenery at that moment? (laughs) How how concerned do you think he was with uh, his balance or his hair or anything else? Did did we remember to leave the stove on today? I mean, what do you think is going through his mind right there? He, He is completely, he has very acute awareness of the truth, which is that, his, his life is at risk. How long could you hold on? He was four minutes, right? How, how long could you hold on? Ten minutes? Who thinks they could do ten minutes up there? Yeah. Folks, this is a picture of kind of reality. This is what it means to live in this world. You and I are but by a string, just by God's will, not dead at this point. And outside of God's mercy, you and I have no hope in this world. The, the, the devil's scope, the devil's plan, and that which has plagued, I believe, even the church, is to remove that sense that truthfully and honestly, judgment and death is what's due to us. In a completely another sense, one of the ways in which the devil has distorted the message of the gospel to cause those outside the church to reject it is to confuse us to think that God will send you to hell. Is the... Um, is this man needing to do anything in order to, to die? Gravity's going to take care of it. It's on its own. Everybody understand that? There, there, there's no sending that needs to happen here. It's just a matter of time. That's all it is. Just a matter of time, and judgment will be there. And the, the, the false teaching is that God sends people to hell when in the reality is every one of us willfully, like Adam and Eve, choosing to disobey, we would prefer hell Without Jesus. Everybody hear me? Without Jesus. The world doesn't need to be sent there. We choose it on our own. Now I'm going uh, to defend that from God's word this morning. And we're going to be in John's gospel. We're in a series that's studying the pictures and the portraits of Jesus from the Old Testament. And as today as we look into John's gospel, uh, we're going to look at a picture of Jesus uh, and the bronze serpent. And what I want us to do is really be challenged to where, is our, where does our commitment lie in our relationship with God? Where does our commitment lie? Because I think for a lot of people, uh, you would find that you and I could not treat our employers the way we treat God. I mean, it's church early. 9 a.m. is too early, right? Try that on your boss next time, right? Get to work. Be like, it's too early. I didn't feel like going. Had company over, couldn't, you know, couldn't make it. Try that on your boss. Or you know what? We have a greater commitment even to the IRS. Try this next time you're at the checkout and they say, the tax is going to be $14. Eh, I don't feel like paying it today. Yeah. Eh, I don't have enough. I had to pay my other bills, so I don't have enough to pay. Or even the way in which you and I pursue entertainment. I wonder if you recorded the number of minutes spent in time in front of the flat screen as composed to the number of minutes spent in discipline and study of God's Word. Now... Does everyone, guilt, everyone feel guilty this morning? Have I, have I sufficiently made everyone feel bad? I want you to know that's not the answer either. I, I, imagine if it's this, okay, pastor said I got to go to church, I got to give my tithe, I got to study my Bible. Then God will love me. No, you missed it still. And go back to that marriage example. Imagine that uh, you saw my wife and I out on a date and you said, all right, you're out with your wife tonight. And I said, yeah, I had to. <laughs> Because I got married, so I had to. Or I come and I bring, bring her a present, right? Here is for you. What, why'd you give me that? Well, what's this for? Because I had to. 
Why are you in church this morning? Because I had to. You understand? Wrong reason. That the right reason, that same picture of the relationship of God's love for you, like a, like a marriage, like a, like a loving, unashamed, I'm going to wave the banner. I love Jesus Christ. I follow Jesus Christ because of his love for me. That is what we're focusing on this morning. And the picture in the Old Testament of the bronze serpent, I believe, is going to help us get there. So John chapter 3. Page 1649 in the Pew Bibles. It's going to have a very familiar verse, a verse that even Angie Applecamp this morning uh, led with a a verse I think I heard Tom even reference. Uh, I wanted to just give a quick reminder, too, as we're looking through this. This is not an expository message. This is a message studying typology. So there's so much more in this text that I'm not going to have time to get to today. But our purpose, again, is to look at these images, these, these portraits of Jesus, that's what we're focusing on this morning. And as we read through it, what we're going to do is going to try to see how the, the story of the serpent is actually very similar to what Jesus is doing on the cross. But then we're also going to look at how it's different. All right, everybody with me? That's the plan this morning. We're going to see how they line up and we're going to see how they actually are a little bit different. So John chapter three, verse one. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying you must be born Again, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And you don't understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you don't believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God... So loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. All right, so here's our passage. The, the, the portrait that we're studying here is this Old Testament picture of something Moses is doing. 
He is lifting up the snake or, or the serpent. And uh, just to begin with, I want to make sure because I think probably at, on a very cursory hearing, uh, the, the Christian hears that and they're like, what? Jesus is a snake? That doesn't, that doesn't make sense, right? Because who's supposed to be the snake in the Bible? Satan's the snake, right? Um, I, I want to make sure that you're not confused on this. This has nothing to do with Satan. Okay, the, the serpent here in this, in this instance has nothing to do with uh, Satan. In, in addition, um, uh, Jesus is not comparing himself to the snake. All right? He's comparing himself to the manner by which the snake is lifted up. Okay? I, want, I want you to know that's the comparison that we're studying. All right? This isn't Jesus as is a snake. Uh, this is just as the snake was lifted up, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. That is the comparison that we're making. So we're, we're going to the, um, we're gonna get to the Old Testament here in a moment. But before we do, I, I first off really want to set the context for you. Uh, I have a few observations that I think we need to hold on to as we look at what Jesus is saying. So that when he talks about the snake being lifted up, it happens in a specific conversation that he's having with Nicodemus. Number one, the first thing that we can see about the Son of Man is that Jesus' solution comes from God. Jesus' solution comes from God. One of the things that I'd like us to do here in this service is I'm going to ask for the choir's help. Um, I bought some signs. You know, like to do a game, right? Signs. So uh, what we're going to do, Don's going to pass those out. And I'm going to have them write on them, kind of a conclusion that we can see from these observations. But just on this first one, that it has to come from God. Let me direct your attention here back into the text. Look with me back at verse 12. Jesus here being a, a, a bit, I would say, in um, a flabbergast is the word I'm thinking of here. But Jesus expected that Nicodemus ought to know this by now. Nicodemus doesn't get it. Right? Did you see his, uh, in verse 9? I don't get it, Jesus. How, how can this be? And Jesus' answer, look at verse 12. He says, I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you don't believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? The answer comes from where, church? Earth? It comes from heaven, right? So whatever the solution here is going to be, it's not going to be figured out by humans. Humans are befuddled by this. We're... We don't get it. The solution and the power for this answer, it comes from God. Verse 13 says, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from from heaven, the Son of Man. So the source of this comes from God. So the first thing we're going to, this first conclusion we'll come to here. Donna, write this. I don't have the answers, right? This is what Nicodemus would say. God does. Right? That's, that's That's where it begins. I don't have the answers, but God has the answers. So as we are looking through this uh, uh, story, as we're coming to this idea of a snake lifted up in the desert, this is the first conclusion. I don't have the answers, but God does. Here's the second observation. Jesus' solution comes in response to a logical paradox for humans. It's a paradox for Nicodemus. Do do you remember Jesus' answer? He says, you must be what? Yeah. What? You, you can see Nicodemus, he hasn't been going to church, right? He, he doesn't, he hasn't heard, you all get this, right? You've heard this before. This is the first time he's ever heard this. And so immediately, you know what he thinks? Well, how's, how's a grown man supposed to, sorry, mom, a little awkward, right? I mean, yeah, it's not going to work. In the mind of Nicodemus, it, it's a paradox. It makes no sense whatsoever. 
And so Lois, this one's for you. I would want you to write here big on your, your sign. Because this is what Nicodemus is saying. I'm stuck and I'm getting it wrong. Right? Clearly, this is what Nicodemus' response to Jesus is. We see that in, in essence paraphrase there in verse 9. How can this be, Jesus? I'm, okay, uh, the wind blows where it will. Nobody tells where it's going. This is how it is with the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Man, you lost me. I'm stuck. Uh, I, I, when, when I think about it, I get it wrong. All right, so that's, that's kind of that next major observation uh, that we would see here in our context. Uh, number three, Jesus's solution is by grace. Here's, here's what we write on this sign, and this one is for Jerry. I cannot fix myself. I need a gift. If you look with me again in verse 16, and we know this passage, right? For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. He gave. I, I fear that uh, too often in our world, uh, we read that passage and we, we hear, for God so hated the world that he sent Jesus to judge. Right? Because in our world, Christians are kind of judgy. Unfortunately, that tends to be kind of the, the paintbrush that we're painted with. That's not what it says. For God so loved the world that he gives freely. He gives a gift. And that's called grace. So the answer here is that uh, it comes by grace. Number four, Jesus' solution comes through faith. Uh, If you look with me back in verse 15, let's look at the crux of this matter. How how do I get access to this solution, Jesus? Verse 15 says, everybody who what? Everyone who believes. You, You mean everybody who pays a tithe? No. You mean everyone who fasts twice a week? Yeah, cut that out. No, nothing you can do. It's faith. That's how you get access to this solution. And so um, I've got Donna, if you would write on yours, I trust in you. That's, that's the answer. That's the declaration that must come from Nicodemus. It's not more things you got to do. It's not going to church, paying a tithe, reading your Bible, and now God will love me. No, you must believe by faith. And if there is then any excitement for you to unashamedly follow Jesus, it doesn't come, hear me, doesn't come for his love. It comes from his love. You, you with me on that? That, that's a, that was a really good place for an amen, and I didn't hear any amens there. Let me try that again. Um, you do not pledge a commitment to God for his love. It comes from his love. Thank you. That's right. Amen. So I trust in you is the declaration that we say uh, Jesus' solution comes through faith. Lastly, Jesus' solution is both simple and exclusive. It comes as a solution that is both simple and it is exclusive. I want you to see again in the text, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Uh, one here. There, there's, there's one way to God. He's not going to make this tricky for anybody, right? There's not 13 ways to, to come to God. One way. It's very simple. Through Jesus. And then it's exclusive. Jesus is the one and only son of God. There, there's nobody else to come after Jesus. There's no other second cousin to God that's going to come and, and do something else. No, it's 
one and only. It's a simple and exclusive message. So we need to add something to this one. I trust in you alone. This is the cry that comes from the passionate follower of Jesus Christ because he has made a covenant with you. He has made a promise with you. And we declare these things. I don't have the answers. God does. I'm completely stuck. I'm getting it wrong. I can't fix myself. I need grace. And so what do we do? We say, I trust. I trust in you alone. Uh, I want you to see um, this idea of exclusivity, how the Apostle Paul, and I, just so you know, I had to cut out like 13 uh, verses, uh, not verses, like different passages. I, I could support this pretty much anywhere. You just kind of open your Bible and do this anywhere, and you're going to find a way to defend this. But this is the one I chose for you. Out of 2 Corinthians, Paul writes to a church, the church in Corinth is so confused, folks. They, they think, again, it's so much about self. If there was ever a picture of the American church, read what's happening in Corinth. Look at what Jesus, or through Paul, the Spirit speaks these words. He says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I may present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning. What was, it? What was the lie again? You will not surely. Yeah, there we go. Uh, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you receive or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it. That's called being an adulterer is what that is. It's idolatry in, in the technical sense. What, 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 what if you saw your, your spouse on the arm of another person? What if you saw that? Who's cool with that here? Anybody? No! Absolutely not, right? Some, something has gone very wrong, if that's the case, right? Because you are pledged to one. We have a real problem in our world today of really understanding the true situation. And so Jesus, as he's going to help Nicodemus figure this out, he's like, okay, there's this story in the Old Testament about Moses. In the same way that Moses raised a serpent up, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And that's what we need to look into. So uh, with that in mind, uh, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 21. Page 2. 42 in the Pew Bibles. Numbers chapter 21. We're going to read verse 4 through 9. And then we'll have a couple observations. <coughs> Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. <laughs> but the people grew impatient on the way. What, what do the kids say in the back of the car on the family trip? Are we? Yep, yep, there you go. They grew impatient. Verse 5, they spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, 
we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake, put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. This is an amazing story. And there there is no um, coincidence as to why God allowed this to happen. And we're going to see that as we get to the end of this message. But that Jesus chose it for a very specific purpose in relation to how you and I come to him based upon what he has done on the cross. Couple observations. Number one, the bronze serpent's saving power came from God. Didn't come from Moses. Didn't come from any special hocus pocus or medicine or any um, witch doctor, any sorcery. It came from God because God was the one who said, do this and you will live. So the power of healing comes Directly from God. I find it interesting that as soon as they're in that situation, they panic. And isn't that what we do? Like th- this, again, is the way the church has incorrectly thought of Jesus. Yeah, when, I, when things are going bad, that's when I cry out to God. Same thing they're doing here. Same thing. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Think, think that we're there. Go back in time. 3,500 years ago, and there in the desert, Teresa gets bit by a snake. What's, what's going to happen? She's going to die. Yeah. Uh, it don't matter if you uh, go to a chiropractor. Don't, don't, don't matter if you get essential oils. Ain't going to fix it either, right? You get bit, you're going to die. That's what's going to happen. And as they saw this happening, they cry out to who? They cry out to God. Because the answer, the, the power, it comes from God. Um, here's a contrast I want you to see. Moses gave a solution for temporary life, right? They, they could get healed and live. Jesus gave a solution for eternal life. And so the response, Donna, would you mind lifting up your sign for us here? The, re, the response of the people who are bitten is, I don't have the answer. God does. I, I'm, I'm bitten. Oh, man. You got bit? Uh, I, I, I don't have anything for you. We've tried every medicine we have. I have no solution for this. But I know who does. God does. Moses offered a solution for temporary life. Jesus offered one for eternal life. All right, number two. The bronze serpent's cure came in response. Thank you, Donnie. You can put it down. Came in response to confession and repentance. I, I don't want you to miss this. Um, God didn't just... Forthright offer it there. There actually was a response upon the people. Uh, look with me back into the text here in verse 7. What do they say? They come to Moses. We're, does it say we're sick? It, no. It, does it say we're not feeling so good? Our people are dying? No, it doesn't say that. It says we sinned. There is an awareness. They understand the reason why this is happening. It's because of their sin. And so what do they do? They don't just acknowledge it. They confess it. They confessed their sin when we spoke against you and the Lord. The, the, the desire for them to ask for Moses to take it away uh, is one where they're now repenting from that. And so the response that we have is what Lois wrote. Lois, can you lift up your sign? And here, Moses again helps the weak with physical life. <laughs> 
Jesus helps the weak for eternal life. And this is what our response is, is that I'm stuck and I'm getting it wrong. Every one of these individuals who has been bitten by the snake, they must come to awareness. Whose fault was it, folks? Whose fault? Right here. I am stuck. I am getting it wrong. Thank you, Lewis. Moses helps the weak for physical life. Jesus helps the weak for eternal life. Thirdly, the bronze serpent's cure came by grace. Anyone seeing a pattern here yet? Bronze serpent cure comes by grace. Did did the people have to fashion this thing? Nope. Uh, The Lord said to Moses... You, you make this, all right? This is freely going to be offered. Uh, in our passage that Yvonne read this morning, uh, John chapter 12, uh, a few places in John, John uses the phrase lifted up, not in a way used throughout the, the New Testament as an exaltation, right? That Jesus should be lifted high, right? Amen. Metaphorically, he should be lifted high. But John uses it in a very real sense to speak of his death. That was the passage that she read. But here, I want you to see this. Uh, Starts out, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowds that were there heard it and said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to them. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not for mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And when I am lifted up up from the earth, you can figure out how to get to me. That's not what it says. When I am lifted up, I will draw people to myself. Who who does the work here? Jesus Jesus does it all. The solution is not by you coming to church more, giving more money, reading your Bible. It's, It's not by your effort. Jesus has done all the effort. So here is our conclusion again. Moses lifted up the serpent to give life to the dying. Jesus is lifted up to give life To the dead. You and I can't do a thing. He gives it to us freely by grace. So Jerry, if you would lift up your sign. Here is what the cry again is from the Israelites. I can't fix myself. No amount of healers, no amount of better healthy eating is going to undo the snake bite. I'm going to die. Therefore, what do I need? I need something outside of myself. I need something that I can't produce. I need a gift. I cannot fix myself. I need a gift. Moses lifted up the serpent to give life to the dying. Jesus lifted. Jesus is lifted up to give life to the dead. Thank you, Jerry. Fourthly, the bronze serpent's cure came through faith. Now, this is fantastic. If you, again, look at this text, this is amazing. In verse 9, So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by the snake... And looked at the bronze snake, he lived. Now, i got to make sure you understand this. This was not some accident. This wasn't like, I got bit, what am I going to do? And then accidentally look at the snake. Oh, I'm bitter. That wasn't it. They knew this was the course of action. This is what you do. If you get bit, you look. You mean I, I need to pray some special prayer? No. You look. You mean I need to maybe pay the priest something? No, you look. I mean, there's got to be something I got to do. No, it's by grace. It's free. All you do by looking is express faith in what God said. That's what God said. And it happened. 
I want you to see that it's, it's a fantastic truth. It happened. It's not through effort. It comes through faith. I wonder if I get uh, Donna, could you lift up your sign here? Here's what that looks like then. They say, all right, Lord, I trust in you. I trust in you. Here's our conclusion. Moses offers a serpent as hope for the bitten, but Jesus offered, is offered as hope for the whole world. There is a way to God, and it's through faith to trust in what God has said. Thank you, Don. All right, lastly, number five, the bronze serpent's cure came in simplicity and in exclusivity. How hard is it to look? Did you, everybody recognize this is simple, right? We're not going to make this hard on anybody. But it wasn't, you can look at this snake, or you can look at this snake, or you can fashion some other little thing to look at. No, it was an exclusive claim. All it takes is looking. It's very simple. Anyone can do it. You simply express faith in what God has said, but you must look alone to this emblem that God has said, to this snake on a pole. Everybody gets that this is not Satan we're talking about, right? It's because they were bitten by snakes. Snake is what is, is lifted high. It's the manner by which that it's lifted up that correlates here to our story for what Jesus says in the comparison. And so, uh, Bonnie, I need you to lift up your sign. But here's the conclusion. The truth Moses offers is a way for the Israelites to live, but Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so when we look for salvation, we look to Jesus alone. It's simple, and it is exclusive, and that is exactly what Jesus meant for Nicodemus to understand. Thank you, Bonnie. The truth that Moses offers. Did Moses make this up, folks? God spoke to him. It's a truth that's coming through Moses. It's a way that they can be healed, that they can find life. But Jesus is the way, the truth. And the life once more. Do you remember Angie Applecamp said that this morning as she was introducing Sam and Kayla? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so the bronze serpent comes in simplicity and in exclusivity. Now, you, you, you probably have been tracking with me so far. Um, I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable right now. You all right with that? And I'm, I'm wrapping it up here. We're, we're, we're getting real close to the end. But let me make you a little bit uncomfortable because I want you to look back again in the text. Look with me again in verse 6. Who is responsible for causing the children of God to get sick? Now, their sin is the ultimate cause. But hear me now. The Bible says in verse 6, the Lord is the one who sent the snakes. Wait a minute. You're, you want me to believe that God would want somebody to be stricken with distress, anxiety, illness, and possibly death? I don't know how I feel about that. Why would God do that? For, for what purpose would God allow there to be sickness for people? So that they would understand that the devil lied in the beginning. In, when he said, you will not surely die, he lied to you. You will die. And we, you know what we do? We pretend like we won't. We pretend like, no, this, is, this life is what there is. And we'll live here forever. And it's not true. In fact, if you think that way, or if the church thinks that way, you will misprioritize how to share the gospel and how to live as a Christian. 
You will find yourself in fear of mankind. You will find yourself seeking to hold on to everything that you can in this life, trying not to lose it. But if instead you understand Jesus has purchased you back from the grave, he is not there, he has risen, then you have nothing to fear. Do you see how your life is lived very differently that way? I don't fear man. Do you remember the apostles in the book of Acts? They're told, you all need to quit preaching in Jesus' name. Do you remember the response? They say, look, you judge for yourself. Is it better for us to obey God or obey men? We can't quit preaching. Who do they fear, God or men? They fear God. And their expression of the faith follows in that priority. You have to get it right. So why? Why would God allow this to happen? And our answer comes in the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And then we're going to be in John and then we're done. All right, here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 6 through 11. Paul says this again to the church in Corinth. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. That's our story. That's, that's Numbers 21. And do not grumble as some of them did. And they were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them. As what? As examples so that we, they're written down so that we would take warnings. They're warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. That as you and I look at Christ, you understand, look, the stakes are really high. Death is real. That's why we need Jesus. The Israelites had that very clearly figured out. You get bit, you die. I mean, that was it. It was very clear. Jesus says, let me clear this up for you. To be born again means that you're actually dead right now. And you need life. Now it comes to us in a very um, a responsive fashion. And so I want to invite you to turn back again to John chapter 3. Because Jesus actually uncovers this once more. And this is where I really want you to turn to tune your ears in. I stopped at verse after verse 18. Let me finish what Jesus has to say in this passage. Because, look, you all know the verse, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Right? We all know that passage. But do we know the whole story around it? Let me, Paul Harvey, this for you, right? Let me give you the rest of the story here. Verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light. Because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Look, if you and I don't get serious with recognizing the truth. You and I will misprioritize how we treat Jesus, how we understand the gospel. He'll be a genie for you or a joker. That's what he'll be in your life. If you and I don't come to realization of the truth. So here's the truth. Without help, we will be condemned. Without help, you and I will be condemned. Not that God is doing that. Look again at the text with me. Here in verse 17. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. That's awesome, right? If you believe in Jesus, you're not condemned. Paul says in Romans 8, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But look what Jesus says right after this. But whoever does not believe stands condemned how? Already. Already. God's not sending anyone to hell. It isn't that you get to the bus station with one of these like Oscar envelopes. Let's see if it's heaven or hell. I don't know which is going to be. And you're, you're, I don't know. Everyone's ticket is hell. The whole world in opposition and rebellion to God. What's the ACDC song? Yeah, great song. Terrible song. <laughs> but I don't know if you knew ACDC is a preacher. That's the truth. Humanity is pressing the gas pedal on a highway to hell. God doesn't have to send anyone there. God calls. He does all the work. He does everything to offer grace, offer faith, to turn you back towards him, to change your loves of this world. So without help, we will be condemned. This is my goal, that we will see clearly exactly the situation that we're in. Without Jesus, man, you better hold on. Because you entered this world without being hooked up. You, you entered this world as one who is already going to die just a matter of time. So what do we do with this? Here's our answer. Believing in Jesus means looking to him as the cure. That's, that was it. That's all the Israelites had to do. Look to the serpent. Look. But let me define for you what that means. Donna, Lois, Jerry, Donna, Bonnie, would you again raise those up high? Make it so that everybody can, can read it. Because this is a message for unbelievers and believers. If you've never come to the place in your life where you see Jesus as the one to give you life, this is the prayer that you need. You have to say, I don't have the answers, but God does. I'm stuck and I'm getting it wrong. I cannot fix myself. I need a gift. I will trust in you. I will trust in you alone. But that's not just for unbelievers. For for you, my hope is, my expectation is that you prayed this prayer in your heart. That you actually like them, recognize, no, I hear the preacher. I'm as good as dead on my own. That's what Jesus has come to offer me freely. But if you are a Christian, this is still what we declare, church. We still need him. Every minute and every moment of our day. I do. I don't have the answers. Who does? I can't fix myself. What do I need? I need a gift. I I get it wrong. Anybody with me? Yeah. Me and of myself, I get it wrong. And so what I need to do is stop relying on me. Stop holding on by my merit. Stop knowing that God loves me because I went to church today. I I brought my family to church today. That's why God said, I put an extra five bucks in. (laughs) Read my Bible even this morning. You get it wrong. You will get it wrong. You don't trust in yourself. You trust in Him. And you trust in Him alone. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together.